0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Back for another FFPC main event, drafting out of the Ten spot. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my Stealing Signal newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work over at Rotoviz. And if this is your first time listening to one of these, I always like to mention you can check in over at YouTube on the Rotoviz YouTube channel. Watch our beautiful faces, but more importantly, the draft board. We are underway already as we start this recording. We are back in the final third of the first round, Sean. And the draft here starts very interestingly this morning. Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, no real surprises there. But then Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris. So running back room here. We are, we, this happened to us very frequently last year where we were at 10 and just wishing we were at eight. Because that would have been so perfect. We were going to probably watch Cooper Cup go off here at the 7th pick. Jamar Chase probably go off at the 8th pick. It is tough when you're sitting back at the 10th slot and you have to watch some guys you like fall to ranges where they don't typically get drafted. Yeah, Cup at
2: 7, Chase at 8. But, I mean, that's one of the, the fun things about this. We get Travis Kelsey at the 109. Ben, we are on the clock and one of the things that might be fun for the show today would be to combine this with, I mean, we may do a separate episode or we may not, but a bold predictions main event where, I mean, if you're going to make a pick, then afterwards you have to justify it by explaining how this player is going to really do something. That
1: sounds fun. Uh, we are, we do have 30 seconds on the clock though, so we should probably think about our pick. I, I think... We're thinking maybe Saquon Barkley here, right? That's For me, it would be Saquon or Swift at running back, and then you're in that other tier of receivers, Diggs, Lamb, Adams. I think it would be real nice to grab Saquon here. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, let's go with Barkley. I think that hopefully our guy, Kyle Pitts, will
1: fall back around to us. He's gone at the turn a few times. I I drafted last night with with Evan Silva, and, and we saw Pitts go off. We were hoping to get him. At the 203 from the same 10 slot, Pitts went at the 1-2 turn to the 12 drafter. We got Andrews on the way back, which is a nice consolation prize, frankly. If Pitts is going to now go ahead of Andrews, it's okay to get some Andrews. We've been talking about that all offseason now. So exposed to Pitts and, and happy to be so, but a big part of that was just the. I and mean, he he goes at the at the 201. Man, we're all looking for who did this. And Andrews goes to the two hundred two. Well, so maybe I have, emphasizing uh, how important these three tight ends were all off season wasn't the smartest move for our bankroll. We probably should have just taken Pitts at one hundred and ten, and then gotten DeAndre Swift on the way back, huh?
2: Well, I was gonna say that that was a possibility. I have Pitts ranked number six overall, so that would have made sense by my board. The only reason to not do that is just what you mentioned. We do have quite a bit of Pitts. All players, even if they're on the verge of an epic season, can get hurt, and so. You have to have some outs from simple player injury, and then obviously you can be wrong. But we have 20 seconds wrapping back around. You had mentioned Swift as a possibility early, you had mentioned him as a possibility with Pitts. He is the kind of our top player here. Do you have any other swifter last?
1: It would be Swift or Lamb, but yeah, I'm very comfortable going Barkley Swift and starting with a a bit of a running back build here. That's a, a fun running back combination, something when we compared our rankings in our 2023 first round, something we notice is we both have them in the top five. I think you have both Barkley and Swift in your top five as well, right? I think we have them in the same spot when I when I saw at four and five behind Eckler, which isn't really the way that the ADP shakes out necessarily, but I was certainly happy to see that we are on, on those the same way. So we get to start with two backs that, again, you know, don't always go in the top five running backs. They have risen. We get them at RB6, RB7 that we have in the top five. The directors at the 11 and 12 turns started Adams, Andrews, and Diggs-Pitts. A little bit more like our kinds of starts with a receiver and a tight end. But picking here at the end, I mean, getting two running backs that we think have big upside is definitely uh, an exciting you know, possibility. We've talked all offseason about – what to do from these back picks and how can you make up some points on the early drafters or not just give up a ton of points. Maybe is another way of putting it. And, and we have talked about how the McCaffrey and Taylor top tier of running back, you know, there's some fragility there that's probably not there with the top tier of receivers with the three guys, Jefferson, Cup, and Chase, of course, Cup and Chase go seven and eight in this draft. But for us to match those drafters, Saquon and Swift are going to have to be basically as good as or better than McCaffrey or Taylor. Obviously, McCaffrey could get injured again. Taylor's receiving could not materialize in some of the rushing efficiency, the really high TD rate, really high rate of green zone touches, the explosive plays. Some of that stuff could regress for Taylor, even if he's still very, very good in a way that he's at 20 points per game. Last year, was about 22 points per game. Barkley and Swift can can get to that range for sure. Um, You said hot take per show or hot take prediction I'll I'll start with uh, Barkley how about that I think my prediction would be that the Giants throw a lot they they are a an aggressive team in in terms of passing with intent on early downs they're also trailing late their high pass rate helps them run more plays Saquon Barkley's really strong target market share in any healthy games he's had basically in his whole career really manifests he catches a lot of balls He also has more explosiveness in the running game as the team is throwing to set up the run more to help with their deficiency on the offensive line, forcing teams to put more DBs on the field and then letting Barkley run against lighter boxes. And Barkley has like 1,500 rushing yards, another 800 receiving. 2,300 yards from scrimmage. I love it. Yeah. 75 catches, 15 touchdowns. We got 17 games, Sean. 2,300 yards isn't that hard with the 17th game. I know. I game. know. I mean, now that you've got the 17th game, it's not
2: even that bold of a prediction, is <laughs> Not even that bold. We look at what he did as a rookie in 2018, and was just absolutely absurd, right? He has 22, 21.6, sorry, expected points per game outperforms that by 2.5. I think that he can get up to that. 23 expected point per game range that you're talking about there outperform by four 27 points per game for saquon barkley this season are are you in terms of your bold prediction not in terms of your actual projections are you are you over or under 27 points per game
1: i'd have to do some math i think real quick but i'm probably in that range i said let's see i'll I'll do some quick math we got 75 receptions 2300 yards is going to be Two hundred thirty points there, fifteen TVs, I and mean ninety points there. Uh, we're gonna just add all this up. This is great radio. Three hundred ninety-five points in terms, of just off this. Oh, you need to
2: bump it. We got to get to four hundred. If it's yeah. not a four hundred point season, isn't Oh,
1: I mean, he's gonna have a few two point conversions that I didn't mention. Okay, right? good. Yeah, so good. the three two point conversions will push him there, obviously. Over seventeen games, that's only twenty three points per game. And <laughs> so it is hard to have 25, 26, 27 points per game. I only had 15 touchdowns, 75 catches. I think he could catch even more than 75. I think he could certainly get more than 15 TDs. I was doing more yardage because obviously the Giants' uh offense maybe not going to be the super the highest scoring offense in the world. Where are you at uh on the swift bowl prediction with a, a couple picks till we get back on the clock? Do you want to run? Do you want to do that or do you want to wait till uh, after we pick again here?
2: Well, let's wait, because it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty bold. I want to start by saying that swift before he got hurt last season was averaging 18.4 ep per game so that's a lot more than drafters were expecting obviously last year it is a level that easily justifies him where he is going but it also doesn't necessarily represent his complete and total upside then we're all oh, dj Morgo's goes one Ugh. pick ahead of us we do have some more exposure the names who have fallen through mike williams jalen waddle Brees hall
1: gabriel davis deontay johnson i'm very comfortable anywhere here i have williams ranked the highest uh waddle tends to slide so i think i'd like to play him at 403 if we could try to get him there and especially because tyreek was getting a little buzz after the the preseason games gabriel davis i've seen go at the three four turn in each of my last couple Might not make it back to 403. If he's a guy you want, we might want to grab him there. I have Deontay Johnson in this tier as well. Don't think I want to take another running back. I think two of those four receivers is a really nice combination here at this turn. Darren Waller, another option as well.
2: Yeah, let's go with Mike Williams. He's somebody that we have argued for during the offseason. I think that we can make a bold prediction With him, I do hope that Gabriel Davis is the guy that comes back around. He doesn't, he goes in the very next pick. I was thinking that because one of the drafters already had Stefan Diggs, that it created at least a slight possibility that they wouldn't want to double up. I know we're seeing teams do some of that type of stuff, but it really doesn't give you the flexibility you need. I mean, you'd prefer for one of those two guys. I mean, you've got three weeks, right? 15 through 17. They could balance each other out there, but you'd really prefer one of them to go on a massive run that was similar to what Diggs did in. 2020 to what Gabriel Davis did in the playoff game with the chiefs last year. But Davis goes to the Devonte Adams, Mark Andrews drafter. That's an interesting start. One of the reasons why I felt like it was okay. If we missed on Davis, even though he is one of the most fun players and does have that Thursday night game to start the season, you and I are very high on Waddle who in some ways even works better right now. I think when you have an early draft slot and you're looking for a great value in the late fourth, we're also very high on Deontay Johnson, who
1: is almost certainly going to be available to us with our next pick. Yeah, and I'm very comfortable with either of those. We got Waddle the other day from our early draft slot all the way at the end of the fourth round. If you wanted to go Deontay here, I think that's a really fun pick at four or two. Amon Ross St. Brown goes. He, like Gabe Davis, has risen a lot in these over the last couple of days, week, You know, maybe maybe just week. I don't even know if it's a couple of weeks. It's more just the last week. But Davis and Almanra now kind of becoming fixtures at this 3-4 turn. It feels like Almanra sometimes falls later into the fourth. But you're not getting him in the fifth anymore, that's for sure. Waddle, Deontay, I'm very comfortable going either way. I don't really love the idea of taking Darren Waller here with some of his injury stuff, but he's still another option. I think since we took Waddle with the last one, it might be fun to get a Deontay Johnson share here. Yeah, so let's hit Deontay Johnson
2: Everything, I think, for him is going in the right direction. He's got George Pickens now to create some defensive attention in a different direction. He has Kenny Pickett emerging. This offense could actually be much more dynamic than it's been the last couple of years with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm currently writing a piece talking about Deontay Johnson and why he is a must draft for 2022. Ben, you've obviously been very much on him as one of the players you think is the most undervalued. One of the things that, again, just kind of jumped out to me playing with the advanced stat explorer over at Rotoviz is that Roethlisberger, in addition to the other things he struggled with, he was absolutely terrible in passing fantasy points over expectation last year. But the last two years among, uh, just at the very bottom of the league with basically failing rookies as the only comparable high volume passers in terms of air conversion and he was doing it while his target depths were minuscule so not even you know failing while he's throwing the ball down the field can't even throw any of the passes we do know that failing rookies are in that same camp so kenny pickett could just be more of the same but i think that you have to be optimistic about the upside here before we get to the two wide receivers ben i do want to give you my deandre swift bold prediction Swift, very dynamic in space, one of the NFL's best receiving backs. I think he becomes the new Austin Eckler this year. No one is Christian McCaffrey, but DeAndre Swift is one of the best pre-contact runners in football. We do have some concern about his ability to fight through tackles and create extra yardage in that capacity. But I think this is the season where he becomes just a a slightly lesser version of Jamal Charles. In order to have that really elite yards per carry, you've got to be good before contact. And he's one of the few elite backs that really gives you that. He's not going to be running into the first guy. He creates a lot of big plays because of that. And then, you know, if you're trying to create some post-contact yardage, it's easier where if you beat a guy, you break a tackle, you then have room to run as opposed to some of these players who don't have the elite athletic ability to break a lot of tackles around the line of scrimmage there are more defenders there, right? So you get these gaudy broken tackle numbers. And it's not that they're not going to have yards after contact, they are. But if you don't have their pre-contact numbers and then you're not a big play threat, a lot of those broken tackles can be at least a little bit empty. One of the other things that we do see is that the post-contact yardage tends to be very fully valued in fantasy. The pre-contact yardage, undervalued, right? So with DeAndre Swift, I mean, you're not talking about him being undervalued at the one-two turn where we take him, but someone who... Does have a little bit better fantasy profile, I think, than he's given credit for in some quarters, and I think this Lions offense is going to actually be a juggernaut in twenty twenty
1: two. I love that. So, what's the what's the bold prediction? He's gonna have how many total? How many balls is he gonna catch? It sounds like the rushing is what you're you're saying he's gonna have a very efficient rushing year. Maybe run for more yards than he has over the last couple of years. That's gonna be the big step forward for him. He is.
2: He's going to have that twenty thirteen Jamal Charles campaign. The bold prediction is that weeks 15 through 17, one of those games, four touchdowns, just like Jamal Charles did in 2013, breaking multiple long runs, 50-yard run, 60-yard reception. Let's put it in week 16. So then we have the lead and we've got to be on pins and needles all week waiting to see if we can hold on for the $1 million.
1: Sean, you said four touchdowns. Jamal Charles, as you have to remember since it led you to the overall championship scored five touchdowns in that It
2: doesn't even (laughs) seem possible does it doesn't even seem
1: possible so it was a five tv game i think it was four receiving and one rushing if i remember correctly in that season
2: i do remember that when he scored the second to last one i looked over at someone from my family and said you know i think we may be in the lead (laughs)
1: uh, Yeah, I I did just pull it up. He had an eight reception on eight target, perfect catch rate, 195-yard, four-touchdown receiving game, and then rushed for 20 yards and one touchdown on the ground. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. You don't even need to run the ball when you can do what Jamal Charles can do in space. Almost 200 receiving yards and four TDs. Added uh, uh, eight carries for 20 yards and one TD on the ground. I mean, it's it sounds almost... like
2: you're making a case for Jerry Goff as our swift Goff stack that just wins the whole time. I, I mean,
1: based on your bold prediction, Jerry Goff's going to be a star in week 16. A <laughs> <laughs> couple updates on the draft before we start talking about some of our other picks. I mentioned the Eckler, Cook, Harris drafters in the four, five, six. I was curious to see how running back heavy they might go. They all went running back again in the second round Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara. Two of them switched back to receivers in the third. So the same thing we did, running back, running back, receiver. That was part of the reason we didn't quite get DJ Moore to fall to us at 310. The third round, after the first two rounds, were pretty running back heavy. The third round wound up being very receiver heavy before we were able to pick again at 310. Again, a drafty would have loved to be at the 108, for example. We could have got Chase. We could have got uh, DJ Moore You know, later in the third, you know. These things happen. Obviously, you got to take the the draft spot you're given. But one of those drafters in the in the sixth spot has started with four straight running backs: Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery. For the way that we like to draft, we like to see those types of drafters, frankly, early. It, it and they probably like to see you know what we're going to do over the next several rounds with with receivers. It uh, certainly makes things a little more convenient, but.
2: We talked about in the previous draft that some of the most fun running backs were taken off the board there. I don't know that this one necessarily even helps us that much when you consider that none of those four backs. I mean, those are probably for the backs that we would consider to be the worst values at their ADP. Now, again, Nick Chubb in the third round, that's probably okay. He went in the middle of the fourth in our previous main event, but it's, it's definitely a robust running back start with some, broken tackles in there David Montgomery an interesting choice it'll be interesting to see Ben uh, how the Bears go off in this draft after they finally had
1: a preseason game where they looked okay on offense I had not I have not caught that one yet so now that you say that I'm excited to watch that one I've only watched about half of preseason week three as we record this Sunday morning Sean we're a few picks away I want to take Deontay Johnson on the bold predictions. I mean, just because he's the easiest one. When you look at the targets last year, he was tied for second in the NFL with 169 with Devontae Adams. He only played 16 games. Justin Jefferson played 17, was just behind him with 167. Several other huge high-name receivers that played 17 games did not have as many targets as Deontay, who averaged more than 10 targets per game. I think it's pretty simple. For the ball prediction for Deontay. He averages more than 10 targets a game again, which he can do and he has shown he can do. The concerns about, you know, him just being Big Ben's favorite target are not valid. He catches 110, maybe even 120 balls. And the efficiency, the yardage efficiency, finally pops off a little bit. He was catching some more balls in preseason week two. I haven't seen the the week three game for the Steelers either. I'm not sure if he even played but he was catching some more balls in that 11 to 15 yard range. I felt like than he was last year from big Ben. That was one of the reasons I was really encouraged by his preseason week two had two balls called back by penalty, two receptions Uh, finished that game with four targets and two catches, but actually it was more like six targets and four catches and all of the four catches were at least 11 yards. Uh, So a little more yardage efficiency gets him to 1300, 1400 yards last year. He was at 1161 and he also gets a, a nice tight, uh, a nice touchdown boost to 12 from eight last year. It's not even that big of a bump from what he did last year. It's just a little bit better. The QB's elevate the offense enough as you already talked about, and and suddenly Deontay looks like a top five receiver. Yeah, I mean his range of outcomes
2: projection over in the road of his tools puts him just below that elite tier. And so you're getting him at a multiple round discount now we're, we're back up in round five i was going to ask you if you felt comfortable with juju smith schuster's knee because he obviously has a lot of upside here in kansas city but he goes one pick ahead of us ben the problem that i have with a late pick is actually not the one two turn or the three four turn but the five six turn there's a pretty big tier break right after juju and so we're kind of sitting here now looking at Brees hall dk metcalf tj hawkinson jk dobbins I mean, Elijah, ideally, Moore's,
1: Elijah Moore's still on the board. You don't want to is, play him.
2: He is. And we do frequently kind of play that through Garrett Wilson. But, I mean, Elijah Moore has just been one of these stars
1: of training camp who doesn't get enough credit because he plays for the Jets. So. I, I, I would be very comfortable with Metcalf as well. Uh, or those running backs. If you want to go Brees Hall at 5'10", I mean, look, we're going to have three running backs, but he shouldn't be going at 5'10". Damian Pierce already off the board you can't convince me that Damian Pierce should go ahead of Brees Hall. (laughs) No, the the Pierce move
2: is one that I think you've got to be excited about because it takes him up and out of the range that you'd have to consider him. And now if other drafters actually do hit on him, the degree to which they hit has really been minimized because the price is is pretty provocative at that level doesn't mean he couldn't outperform around five i mean if, if the texans morph into a quality team and he scores a bunch of goal line touchdowns always that possibility one of the things that does happen here we do take call and elijah moore goes well above adp at the turn we're getting a little bit boxed out here ben but that isn't a concern we'll just keep drafting good players
1: yeah, it's funny. This has been a running back heavy draft, or at least in parts, and yet we are getting pushed toward the running back picks we like in terms of the subset of players we like. That is one of the things that will happen. DK Metcalf goes at the turn as well. He's the other one that I would have considered. Be a pretty good value at this point. And now you almost want to consider J.K. Dobbins <laughs> from a peer value perspective. It might be time for your boy Hawkinson. We already made a bet on DeAndre Swift. It's sort of a bet against Alvin Ross St. Brown. But I do think there is some correlation between Swift and Hawkinson where if the Lions are a little bit feisty, if Goff is good, as you've suggested, if they throw a little bit more, if they get into you know, a high number of shootouts with a lot of pass volume, again, if something were to happen to Amon Ross St. Brown, because that would probably immediately up the target share expectations for Swift and Hawkinson in those shorter areas of the field. I think Hawkinson makes a lot of sense on this team from a correlation from an upside perspective. We don't have a tight end yet. You've been wanting to get him. So this would be the spot where I would see him making sense. What do you think? Well, I was gonna
2: ask you about, <laughs> about Dobbins. Uh it would it would be an odd way for us to go. And I would definitely have preferred that we take in some different players early, but I just think he's such a a massive value right here. I, I was kind of thinking that. With Swift, it's a little bit of a bet
1: against Hawkinson having a okay. massive season. Um, well, Drake London is like a receiver. I mean, we can we can go Dobbins. You want to go four receivers, running backs in the first six rounds? We always have one team like this. We're picking out of the ten hole. Who cares? <laughs> We're running back drafters now. Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Brees Hall, J.K. Dobbins. Again, in the FFPC format, it is two running backs, two receivers, two flexes. We're typically trying to win the flex at the receiver position. This is a roster where we're thinking in the shootout, these guys are all healthy. They're all putting up big numbers. We're probably flexing some running backs. We might not even be playing all four of these because when you do this – Well, they're going to get hurt, Ben. (laughs) When you do a robust running back build like this, you're probably going to run into some problems. But say we have three really good players from these four and we're able to build out some other key spots. We have two good receivers. It does make me want to get an elite quarterback if we can in the, in the late seventh, if we get a Kyler slide or something. Um, our, our, Cause you know, late round quarterback and late round tight end on this roster is going to, it's going to start to look real gross. <laughs> but then again, maybe we need to, to just hammer some receiver depth and, and, Anyway, go ahead. What was
2: that? Well, one of the reasons that we don't need more wide receivers is that we have, as you mentioned, Deontay Johnson, who's going to finish at wide receiver five, and Mike Williams, who's going to finish at wide receiver six, averaging 23.2 points per game through five weeks last season, then gets hurt and is never quite the same, also has to play injured as a decoy for a decent chunk of the season. That obviously knocks his numbers down. When you think about a player who's ready to really put it all together. Now, Mike Williams is much, much older than you're thinking in terms of a true breakout player, but I'm looking at guys who are going to take the next step in 2022. We take Mike Williams three picks after Michael Pittman. You can understand it, the Pittman thesis, you have to pay a lot for it, but I like Mike Williams with Justin Herbert, right? You have the situation here where we don't exactly see where all this volume for the Chargers receivers is going to come from. It's one of the reasons why we do like a lot of Gerald Everett late. It's one reason why I'm open to Joshua Palmer, even though there are a lot of red flags from a pure profile perspective. It's one of the reasons that Austin Eckler went number four overall here. You slide things just a little bit this way or a little bit that way. They just don't have the extra players to soak up the potential volume that exists in this Chargers offense I mean, one of the reasons why Justin Herbert has gone at QB two for a huge chunk of the season and and Ben I mean just you work through it and there's it's almost impossible to justify Herbert above these rushing quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray Trey Lance Jalen Hurts and yet the reason that people have this enthusiasm is that Justin Herbert could smash all of the records when you're again talking about a 17 game season in passing this year Mike Williams is the guy who has the monster ceiling. Now, all of these guys could do well. I mean, Austin Eckler could do well. Again, Keenan Allen could do well. You know, we have a lot of hope for Everett. A lot of people have a lot of hope for Palmer. But the guy who, I mean, if somebody comes out and ends up being this year's Cooper Cup from this team, and we've made the argument for Deontay Johnson, we've made the argument for, you know, someone like Jerry Judy, who may be a little more similar in that regard. But... I mean, Mike Williams absolutely destroying Keenan Allen in scoring, similar to what Cup did to Woods last year.
1: I mean, it's not the most likely thing, but it's very it's very realistic. Yeah, it's definitely in play. Uh, I like that potential outcome. I want to hear your – I kind of want to put the Brees Hall and J.K. Dobbins ones both back on you because <laughs> I need to be convinced why all these running back picks made sense. <laughs> Well,
2: I think that you've made the Reese Hall argument pretty compellingly in a lot of our recent shows, and one of the reasons why we still kind of like him, even as things have kind of taken a turn, at least a superficial turn for the worse, for him. You think about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is better. He's a better prospect. He's even a little bit more athletic because Jonathan Taylor is just this freak of nature who is just better than everybody It's the reason why he's a legitimate choice for the 101 it's not a clear choice but he's a legitimate choice for the 101 even with someone like christian mccaffrey existing in the league jonathan taylor did not do a ton through the first 12 weeks of last season and you don't necessarily want to be using a pick this high on a player that that is kind of your projection for but from weeks 13 through 17 he averaged 26.1 points per game as a rookie we're looking to the fantasy playoffs what types of players could give us those monster scores as we're trying to win the one million dollars i mean that's when Brees hall comes through and, and does it i mean, I, you don't necessarily it's not going to necessarily be the same timing it's not necessarily going to be the same degree but another player that i think back to who was in the situation behind chris johnson right one of the the best running backs for at least that small window in nfl history. And David Johnson comes out and has this massive performance. And David Johnson was not you know, really considered even in that same group of players. But I think that Brees Hall, again, we're, we're talking about epic talent. I've made the case that J.K. Dobbins is Jamal Charles or Barry Sanders with Lamar Jackson. I think that J.K. Dobbins is going to make
1: a push for 2,000 rushing yards. I love that. Can you scroll the board down just a little bit for our YouTube listeners? David Johnson for... Sean, uh, for anyone reminiscing on Sean's reference in week 15 of that rookie year that he did start behind Chris Johnson, he did not have more than seven carries in any game until week 12 and he had eight in that game. And then he had 22 in week 13, several, three carry games, one carry games. But in week 15, 29 carries, 187 yards, three touchdowns, four receptions, 42 yards receiving, 229 total yards, three TDs. He also scored in week 16 and had 88 receiving yards that week, had 92 rushing yards in week 14. So you got the 14, 15, 16 playoff stretch where he put up monster numbers, as you referenced. That's sort of what we're looking for. Even if he, if Bruce Hall has a really tough, you know, first eight weeks, and I think he'll play more than that. But even if he has a tough first eight weeks, 10 weeks, like you said, Jonathan Taylor had. Now I actually like this roster quite a bit more, actually. I mean, Dobbins, we need to get healthy early on. But these are guys, I see what you're saying here with Hall, where we don't actually necessarily need to play him early if we play this right. We're playing Barkley Swift, and we have Hall in our back pocket, essentially, for later. We're making a bet that he's going to do that in the playoffs. We got to get there. And so to get there, we have Barkley and Swift, and, and hopefully Dobbins. Pretty quickly, you know, maybe not in week one for Dobbins. So that's exciting. We are almost back up on the clock. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray all do go. Herbert, Mahomes, and Allen had gone in the last round. We also see several more running backs in these rounds. DeAndre Hopkins here finally goes at the 7.08 as the first receiver of the seventh round. There were only four receivers in the whole sixth round. Pretty uncommon, I would say. From what I've been seeing to, to see this sixth and seventh round be so receiver light. It's created some real opportunity for us in a, in a build where we went four running backs early. We have Drake London on the board. We don't have Pitts on this roster. I love taking him here. Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk as other options. London goes one pick before us. Speak of the devil. I should have kept my mouth shut
2: there. The team the team in nine now has taken DJ Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Drake London, in the pick ahead of us in those three rounds, yeah, they are That's vacuuming right. up the value. I was looking at London, Brandon Ayuk. Pretty interesting here. We love Devonte Smith. Do you do you have a QB that you think we need to push? I like Ayuk. I, I
1: mean, so Herbert's already gone behind us. I like Ayuk, and then the hope that Lance swings back to 803, or at least that's an option that we could stack Ayuk with Lance if we want to go that route. If Smith makes it back, we might decide we want a fourth receiver too and not to take Lance in this draft, but Ayuk gives us that way of playing it or we could potentially get a little stackier if we do decide to go Lance with one of the drafters behind us having already taken Herbert. I think Devonta Smith tends to go later than Ayuk too, right? So even if we wanted to take both, Ayuk would make more sense from an ADP perspective. I think I have, I, I do have Devonta Smith ranked one spot ahead of Ayuk, but that, that those would be like, you know, for the listeners, my thoughts on why I would take Ayuk over Devonta Smith here at the 10 spot with two drafters behind us. And again, one already has a quarterback. There's this potential for a stack. And, and you're looking at ADP. I think we have two ways to play this 803 now. Lancer, uh, Devonta Smith, is that how you're seeing it? It is. And just to emphasize kind of the contrast in the drafts,
2: Ayuk went at the 512. In our first main event, it was Ayuk London at the 512, 601. We took Devonte Smith at the 610. We're in position to possibly get him at a much better value here. I mean, I would have loved to have had AJ Brown in our previous draft if we end up being able to get Devonte Smith here, because I do like playing both of those guys and having a little bit of that flexibility to play both of them. But the great thing about Smith is just that. You know he comes in in this range where every once in a while you do need wide receivers, and our particular team definitely needs them. It's it's tough because I do think there's so much upside with Lance, so much upside with Joe Burrow.
1: I mean, yeah, I like what you're saying though. You're thinking this is a roster with how much running back we've done. We have work to do at receiver. If they both make it back to us, that we should be taking. Devonta Smith and making this a team that we're going to push Lance a little bit. Again, part of that for both of us is probably that element that we already talked about, where we just have a lot of exposure already. We talked about with Cal Pitts. We already have a lot of exposure to Trey Lance, so we don't have to have him as our quarterback on every team. This is a roster that needs another receiver. We are back up. They both make it. Sounds like you're leaning Devonta. I would be right there with you if that is the case.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's so
1: hard to pass on him because He's the last of a tier for me. And you're and then you're into the rookies. You're into, you know, Chris Olave already went, but you're into Sky, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burke. So we might all, you know, be looking at it in the 9-10 range, but but Devontae is the best receiver here from a profile perspective.
2: Yeah. So let's let's grab him. There, you know, especially in a managed format like this, there are some things we can do to maximize our QB scoring. And so if we're going to pass, I like to have it, you know, be in this format with this team. We're now up to Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Smith. And suddenly that group
1: actually is, is pretty fun. Still plenty of work to do, but. We wind up with, I mean, we certainly wind up with more depth than that. But when we start with an early tight end, when we hit a, a quarterback, it, you know, before Lance goes. We often haven't taken two running backs, but a lot of times we wind up with four receivers that look like this. Maybe there's a fifth in there. It's not far off from a receiver perspective. We have had, obviously, four running back picks already, and and we kind of think of those as detours. Four detours already through eight. Typically probably want at least five receivers through eight, maybe even six if we can really get the receivers we want. I mean, that's probably my preference. I don't want to say ours, but I think probably ours also. But this is, you know, a way to get back into position at receiver where we're still going to be looking at, at the 9-10 turn, particularly if we can get a shot at a Traylon Burks or Garrett Wilson. And, and Burks did catch a TD in the preseason game. I saw him go higher as a result last night than I anticipated. And if correct
2: me if I'm wrong, but he did score some, some touchdowns at Arkansas.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's... Ac- Despite all the bad news and press all, all offseason, it is possible for him to score NFL touchdowns. So apparently, people needed to see that and they're buying back in. Yeah. Hope you liked the Traylon Burks discount while it lasted. But if he goes, it still opens up. You know, George Pickens has been going higher than him. Pickens is a fun pick, too, that we've talked about. We've already taken Deontay on this team. So maybe that's a tough one. Dubs has gotten up there. Dobbs. I still call him Dubs. Not sure if he's the guy that we would love. Joe Burrow goes, no Lance yet. There are only three teams on this side of the board all the way back around to us at 9-10 that have yet to take a, a QB. This one here in the two slot does have George Kill. I would expect to see Trey Lance go either here at eight eleven or or probably more likely at nine o two, with the drafter in the one slot having already hit quarterback. Seems likely that he'll wait and take that one on the way back. Debo Samuel, drafter, does already have a quarterback in Josh Allen, but the drafter in the eighth slot has Elijah Mitchell, has already taken the 49er. Derek Henry, A.J. Dillon, Elijah Mitchell, Darren Waller, and Zacher. It seems kind of like a value drafter. Jamar Chase, Cortland Sutton, and Hopkins at receiver. I would suggest they need to get more receivers. They may think getting some value on Trey Lance is a good move if Lance makes it back there. Not likely that Lance makes it back, but I'm trying to talk myself into to us potentially having him there for us at the nine ten, which would be pretty fantastic. After Burrow went there, where would you be at on Russell Wilson, who offers some interesting ways to play later? It's oh, you're wanting like-
2: to get some uh, Albert O and some KJ yeah. Hamler onto this team,
1: right? I, yeah, I'm feeling like we add those two guys late, and we have Wilson in this range. Now we got a stew going. Well, I was going to propose
2: a little uh, Cole Comet with some Justin Fields. I, the other quarterback that I do have too much exposure to is Justin Fields. And every time that he plays decently, I think that combination of rushing and garbage time becomes pretty tantalizing. But I've got to make the quick, bold prediction for Brandon Ayuk. And in some ways, I mean, obviously we're trying to give good information here it's a reminder that brandon iuk averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game as a rookie from week 11 on last year when he really had sort of solidified himself again they kind of changed the role for Debo samuel you can go into the stealing signals tool which pulls from sports info solutions It's modeled after the fantastic work that ben does on the newsletter make sure you get signed up for that if you've been missing ben's newsletter over the last couple of weeks you are going to be losing in your drafts this next week Brandon Ayuk week 11 on 90% route percentage, 21% targets per route above Debo, 2.48 yards per route run. Again, just ahead of Debo. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is a star. He's been, I mean, really generating more excitement in training camp even than guys like Alan Robinson and Michael Pittman. The only reason, reason we get him is because obviously drafters understand that that trio of star receivers there and a run based offense could be tricky. I still like having the talent. I think one of the other two guys misses some key time and Brandon
1: Ayuk for a key stretch, not the whole season, but average 19 fantasy points per game. And I was going to say you should do Devonta because I think that's a negative uh, AJ Brown take and, you're such a, a big Depot fan, I should take the IU take. But the, the IU take for me would basically be that he, what you just described, but that he justifies why he was going so many rounds ahead of Depot last year. There was a reason for that. He had a very good rookie year, obviously had some off field work ethic issues that people were concerned or that the team was concerned about. But like you said, came on late, still some re- and, and getting nothing but glowing off field stuff uh, from the team this year, as well as looking great on the field.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Sean, all that talk I had about Trey Lance, he did not go to the, to the drafter in the two slot. The drafter in the sixth slot who did not have a quarterback also did not take him. We're getting a big tight end run here. Mike Gasicki, Hunter Henry have gone off the board. You mentioned you were thinking about taking Cole Kmet. He kind of kicked this tight end run off at the 901. Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth also went. Tom Brady goes to the drafter at eight as his first quarterback. He was the one I was worried about as a potential value drafter scooping up Trey Lance's fall. Oh, it's going to be the drafter right ahead of us who has taken our guy every time because he's doing a very good job with this draft. And he has Patrick Mahomes already, also has six receivers, has the Mahomes, Kelsey, but he's going very zero RB. No running backs yet. Might not need to pull out here at the 909. I'm with you. Oh, he did take a running back in James Cook and Sean Trey Lance, who we were debating taking at 803, comes all the way back to 910. So now do you have the guts to pass on him again? Okay. <laughs> do you what do you want to do you want to go
2: well we've got i mean we've sky got more still sky sitting. and pickens and burks and more and garrett wilson romeo and we need receivers but i mean trey lance we already have brandon Ayuk. I- we got this is it. this is falling perfectly I and mean, this this is why we you can't look at gift horse in the much fun yeah you can't we did get... this actually last year with joe burrow where we made a ridiculous running back pick late trying to push him just like two more slots and then didn't select him on a Jamar Chase team. And that, that cost us. We're going to take Trey Lance right here. And agree. you're starting to, to count
1: your half a million, I think. I'm getting pretty excited about Lance at nine ten. I mean, the, the the all the early running back stuff we did to be able to get the four receivers we did and still get Lance, who we talked. I mean, Sean, you've you said multiple times, Hertzert Lance is going to be the QB1, one of these guys. And I, I don't think that's nearly as bold as it, it might appear to some people. Yeah, I I think letting I, I was very much getting excited about this being a Justin Fields team after you had started talking about that. We got to have at least one Fields team this year. This felt like it would be the fit. I was also liking that idea of potentially playing Russell Wilson, but you don't plan to have Trey Lance available for you at 9-10. He's been going in the seventh round quite a bit lately. We got him as the QB nine. I can hardly contain my excitement. Russell Wilson goes to the drafter in the 12th slot. He was another drafter who did not yet have a QB. That was why I didn't want to let him slide is because both the drafters behind us weren't already uh, checking that QB box. And that isn't a stack or anything. It looks like they were just taking a QB to get a QB at this point. There's no Bronco on that roster. So I think Lance probably would have went glad we grabbed him.
2: Yeah. And so now we're, we're looking at the possibility of having to make a tough choice between, you know, three, four, five guys that we like here, probably none of whom will come back. Yeah, and Sky Moore, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, Rondell Moore, and Garrett Wilson.
1: One of the things we're finding that in this draft that is is really nice is that this tier of young receivers has not been hit hard by this group. George Pickens does go at the turn, and then another running back pick. We're back on the clock. Sky Moore is still there. Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Rondell Moore, as you mentioned. I have Sky Moore ranked the highest, but I mean you could talk me into a lot of paths here. We don't have a, a, a chief on our roster yet
2: and it might make sense to get some exposure I, I you watch some of the playoff games and he's been open they haven't exactly been on the same page he hasn't had the volume that drafters are really looking for which is how he's made it to this spot justin watson has you know a more dynamic obviously they've got potentially three guys in front of him. he could be a non-playable asset in the first two to three weeks of the season But we do have four other guys and so if we're looking at the overall wide receiver upside you pick Sky Moore or Traylon Burks.
1: I'm going to take more. There's a, I think there's a chance Burks comes all the way back in this room. We're not seeing more go at 10.03. It, it's not likely that Burks will come back either, but it's interesting. I was talking about how light the sixth and seventh round were at receiver. The eighth round, there were seven receivers. We took Devonta Smith. Um, the others were Hunter Renfro, Amari Cooper, Chase Claypool, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, and Kadarius Tony at the very end of that round. So you see that type of receiver that was being drafted. And then the ninth round, no receivers taken in the entire ninth round. A lot this of tight is... ends. I mentioned that run. It's been a very interesting draft to this point. This would be if, – if there's a room where, where Burks continues to slide, this would be the room.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, and I guess I would be optimistic too that there's a Garrett Wilson possibility – getting all the way back through to us and since we did not take elijah more then it just becomes even more appetizing to, to think that maybe he could be the guy right now again i have the ffpc combination of mains and football guys tournaments up over just the last i believe four days a lot of drafts in there we're keeping it to a limited window because obviously adp on Certain individual players can change quite a bit in this time. Garrett Wilson is going at the 11.02. Romeo Dobbs at the 11.03. Jahan Dotson, I mean, Those guys seem like they could come back. Somebody else who is vaguely interesting with where some of the other Tampa Bay receivers are injury-wise. Julio Jones is going 11.12. I mean, I, I don't know that there should be as big a gap between Antonio Brown's late late like draft season adp in 2021 even though before he got hurt and then had the other issues late he was definitely justifying that adp i don't know we should have such a big gap between where he was going and where julio is going right now tom brady is speaking glowingly
1: about it we see yeah i I would be fine with that we see marcus velva scantling and tyler boyd both go off here in the tenth, as well as rondo Moore, one of the ones we were targeting but again this idea that these drafters are We're in a room that doesn't like to target the players we like is I think pretty clear. And that's exciting obviously for us. Those are guys that are going off before Garrett Wilson and and Traylon Burks. You don't typically see that even though we do like Tyler Boyd, obviously he's not a guy that we would take before Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks. Ken Walker finally goes. He's another one I was going to emphasize. Rashad White has not gone, even though Melvin Gordon has gone and being in here. Okay. Ken Walker and Rashad White both go at the turn. So at the turn we have a drafter that is at least, on some of these players, but the, and Garrett Wilson goes right behind that, but the, the youth players at every position here are not being targeted. The Trey Lance, even a QB example, Burrow and Brady go ahead. Um, I, I think we're seeing a lot of drafters in this room that are the, the types that want to know what they are, are getting in a player as opposed to trying to draft the player before we see what they are and hit on that breakout. That's again, obviously sort of our whole philosophy. So... Uh, you see this across all of the positions, in my opinion, right now. And it's uh, it's pretty exciting in terms well, of the, what types the, of values might come around. Definitely, definitely. And the drafter out of, out of one is actually somebody
2: who's in a lot of the uh, RV Triflex dynasty leagues with me and have pretty good rapport there, send some trade offers back and forth. I think that uh, he and and Pat Corrine and I uh, exchanged <laughs> quite a few trade offers in a startup recently. He's got at least a somewhat similar mindset is, you know, not necessarily following our drafts, but is listening to some of the content. He's very good at fantasy. You always like it when that type of player is as far away from you in the draft as possible. Not as much of an impact when he's at one and we're at 10. Ben, you, you did you finish your your uh, Devontae Smith bold prediction? Or...
1: I don't even know if I started it. You, I mean, your bold prediction has been that he's their number one. That he has such a breakout that he's the better producer than AJ Brown this year. I, I mean, I I can't even say it. I feel well. Like let me be... run
2: this by you. It seems like in twenty nineteen Devonte Smith was better than Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddle at Alabama. Twenty twenty, he becomes the first wide receiver in forever to win the Heisman Trophy. Twenty twenty one, he's drafted in the top ten picks and then goes out and gains. 900 plus receiving yards for one of the most run heavy teams in football and now he's going in the seventh round so that's kind of the trajectory seventh round seems again Traylon burks did go but yeah continue so we lose burks romeo still here the the player i don't even want to say it ben the player i'm kind of looking at uh it, it was amusing in some ways that albert o plays a lot Of the second
1: preseason game and then sits in the third preseason game and dubs went as well so yeah i mean the other guy in in the tier for me at tight end is gerald everett who you really like you're thinking i i am very in on alberto at this point i i had had there's a lot of concern about him playing in the fourth quarter there's been a lot of people talking about how that's a bad sign he played in every quarter he got a target in all four quarters the one catch he had and one target he had in the fourth quarter was literally the first play of the fourth quarter. I didn't watch every snap, but I don't think he was playing deep into the fourth quarter or anything. He was in on a drive that, you know, end of the third quarter, he caught a pass in the first play of the fourth. It was a great play. People are taking that as a negative. I'm very in on, getting our first tight end here with an athlete like him with Tim Patrick out and what he could then fill in this offense. They were throwing to him on the edge. The play I'm saying was a great play was a one-on-one jump ball. He kind of got up over a DB, He had another play where the the pass sort of led him out of bounds out of the side of the end zone, but it was an over-the-shoulder catch he brought in, in the end zone, 25 yards downfield. I like Albert O a lot at this point, especially as drafters have have soured. It's a fun one.
2: Well, and you talk about Albert O and and all that athleticism, and you you can go to the Rotovis Combine Explore and see it. You can watch them play. Noah Fant is one of the best tight ends in all of football. He's somebody I hope we get later. And yet, when Albert O would go in last year, there was a discernible difference in the level of you know, we got to throw the hip fluidity, you know, phrase in there, in the level of athleticism from going from Noah Fant, one of the best and most athletic tight ends in the NFL, to Albert O. He's just someone who hasn't played that much, right? And so a team is trying to get him in there and comfortable with, with what they want to do. The other big part of the thesis here is that Greg Dulcich, who the team and a lot of super smart people like our buddy Pat are just, you know, over the moon for, he's just missed the entire off season. And so it's hard enough for rookie tight ends to make that impact, even when they haven't done that. I mean, that really clears the runway for
1: Albert O. Oh. Okay, so up. yeah, we are back up. We can add... You- we can add Gerald Everett to this build. We can also get Jahan Dotson, who is the last kind of rookie that I see before this. Well, you know, you have Wanda Robinson, obviously a little bit later that we really like, but well, Robinson might get back to us in the 13th. I, I don't know if Dotson will. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think this probably has to
2: be, well, Everett, Julio, or Jahan Dotson. I mean, Dotson's upside. Oh, Julio as well, yeah. Is is pretty crazy, and he is below ADP. I probably would lean that direction.
1: Dodson. Okay. I'm comfortable with that. I, I don't mind getting the second tight end here, but um, there's other paths for us to accomplish that later and still get some more tight end upside. Or I would actually argue that we might just want some tight end stability, like a Noah Fant who's been sliding along with Alberto, who's our kind of upside play in this tight end. Room, I think Alberto's athleticism and 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 positive outcomes are you know potentially pretty huge hits. Uh, Gerald Everett, sort of similar. We already have Mike Williams. I think part of the case on Gerald Everett is he could be a very efficient. He could catch a lot of touchdowns. We're already saying Mike Williams is gonna be such a clear number one for the Chargers. When you gave that bold prediction that maybe Everett doesn't make sense on this build. Your bold prediction for Dotson, you've already made it, that he's going to outscore Terry McLaurin this year. And so that's nice and easy, nice little fit in round 12. I've already made the Trey Lance bold prediction that he's going to run for well over 1,000 yards. (laughs) When I say well over, maybe not not 1,200, but it's not going to be 1,001. He's going to carry nearly 200 times as opposed to, you know, I talked a lot earlier when we did the big Trey Land stuff. Even if he gets to 150 carries, that's a ton. But I'm saying he's going to carry close to 200. And he's going to be an efficient passer. That's going to help Ayuk as well. He's going to be the QB one. I mean, it's definitely in his range of outcomes.
2: He's going to lead the league in QB rushing, beat Lamar Jackson, beat Kyler Murray. Yeah. Beat Jalen Hurts, kind of put those guys all, not just in the rear view to where he he really
1: can't see him from where he is. That would be the idea, yeah. And then he also rushes for ten touchdowns. He's their goal line back too. So yeah, I mean, let's just get bold. Yeah, we want the goal line back. Well, we'd be okay with him throwing passes
2: to Brandon Ayuk. The goal line back part yeah. of it more than just the rushing volume. If he can take his points away from the running backs and not the wide receivers, and that's a little bit of my thesis for continuing to draft Debo and Brandon Ayuk. The main thing is just that you want to chase talent, and at those prices, if we're wrong on the team context then it's a massive win. If you're right, then, I mean, you're still fine. But part of it could be if most of that value from Lance comes out of the runners instead of out of the receivers, number one, I think that makes the offense much more dynamic. And they have the ability to really put it on a division where, I mean, their schedules are absolutely brutal. They need to finish ahead of the Rams. They need to finish ahead of the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are going to be much better. They're going to be much more similar to what they were in the first half of last season than the second half of last season. This team needs to be very good to accomplish their objectives. And you're like, I mean, that's always the case. But it's much more the case for teams in the AFC West and the NFC West, because the path to getting where they want to go is just so much more difficult than for teams in the other divisions.
1: Yep, yeah, that's very well put. I have more ceiling case. Juju Smith-Schuster, unfortunately, the knee is an issue and is not really great. Moore, who has looked, I think, explosive. He had a really nice kick return in the third preseason game. Is an explosive player immediately. Immediately becomes Patrick Mahomes' new favorite receiver. When you have the type of production profile he did in college, that's certainly in the range of outcomes, even from day one. That he's just that consistent. That he gains Mahomes' trust quickly. When you look at the rest of the pass-catching group, I don't think Marquez Valdez Scantling is that great of a receiver than the type that can gain his trust that quick. We know Michael Hardman has struggled to gain the trust of anyone in Kansas City. If Juju's not really healthy, Sky Moore could be by about week five, Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver, and at that point, you're talking about an 1,100, 1,200 yard season, even if he gets off to a little bit of a slow start and has to earn that over the first month. And in the playoff week, scores four touchdowns in three games. There's this guy more upset. I like
2: it. I like it. I think that one of the things with Moore and the Chiefs this year is you're worried about how frustrating it might be to try and pick the weeks when the guys go off. I think this is going to eventually develop, though, into what you're discussing, where you're going to have some Nicole scores, you're going to have some MVS long scores, and he's going to be involved all over the field. It's not just the vertical passes. But the big games, when they come if they come, are going to come mostly from Juju Smith-Schuster, who's much more expensive, or from Sky Moore. And when you think about when those big games are going to come, probably with the veteran versus the rookie and with the injury issues for Juju, I mean, there are so many different ways the season can play out. We get overconfident talking about, you know, general patterns. But the general patterns are there because, you know, they have happened and there's a, a strong likelihood that if one of them blows up in the second half, that it would be Sky Moore. I'm very excited about getting some youth into this roster that we're going to try and add a lot of young upside
1: to down the stretch. So after 12 rounds, we have Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Brees Hall, J.K. Dobbins, Brandon Ayuk, Devonta Smith, Trey Lance, Sky Moore, Albert Okubanam, And Jahan Dotson. We started with the running backs early. Four in the first six rounds. We still got to six receivers through 12. We got Sky Moore and Dotson to bring some rookie upside. Ayukin Smith. Also some young breakout firepower. Mike Williams and Deontay will be our one-two. Guys that we're relying on weekly. And really hoping are consistent weekly. A lot of opportunity for Williams in that passing game. Deontay certainly... A high target guy who can do it consistently as well
2: And that'll do it for the first half of our ffpc main event bold predictions show and i love what you had for us there i don't think we can get too much bolder without it being absolutely silly but it's good to know that we've drafted like all of the best seasons in nfl history onto this team that will help redeem a four running back start as long as you have jamal charles barry sanders and the rest along with this year's you know version of cooper cup and more then probably turn out okay we're looking forward to splitting that one million dollars or if we don't win losing it to some of the listeners we're rooting for you all as you're drafting this week as well i'm sean siegel with me as always is ben gretch make you sure you follow him at yours progression But more importantly or just as importantly But I think, Ben, more importantly, is that you want to subscribe to Stealing Signals, BenGretch.substack.com. Subscribe to Stealing Lines. Join us over at Rotaviz. We do always have that 10% discount with RV Radio 2022 at checkout. I hope everyone who is interested in drafting an FPC team with me that you are participating in the contest. If you're trying to figure out what to do, just make sure uh, you go over and, and hang out with Colin Kelly. He will get you set up can't wait for part two man. We, we've got some work to do but this is one of the most fun teams that i have drafted make sure you subscribe to the feed so you get this second half of the show when it comes out at an unusual time i can't wait to talk to you guys again